It's the Pitbox Podcast. I'm John Satori. It was an absolutely incredible Grand Prix, wasn't it? Sakir Grand Prix, first time ever. Let's hope it's not the last. I feel that it probably will be. But it had everything. I mean, that's the blueprint for every Grand Prix, surely. Lots of drama, lots of overtakes, you know, slipstreaming. Okay, yeah, there was two DRS zones, and it wasn't an overall hugely long lap. You know, 53 seconds was pole, but it was a great Grand Prix. We'll unpack that. Of course, George Russell's disappointment, Checo's elation. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit later on with James Underhay. This weekend, final race of the season, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. We're going to preview that and take a look at what we think is going to happen there. And also, like, lots of stories this week as well, hasn't there? There's lots to discuss, and we're going to on the Pitbox podcast. Let's uh, take a look at what's going to happen this weekend. The Abu Dhabi Grand Prix last year won by Lewis Hamilton. Uh, He won from pole position, didn't lose the lead, in fact, got the trifecta, pole, race win, and the fastest lap. It's the same compounds from Pirelli this year as well. C3, 4 and 5, so the softest in the range. Shame they can't go softer. The uh, two stoppers over the past two races, I think, have been absolutely brilliant to watch. Um, you know, it brings that human element in it, into it with the pit crews, as we, unfortunately for George Russell, saw. Um, but thankfully, we don't have any other softer tyres. Otherwise, otherwise, we'd be in that silly situation of ultras, hypers, Ultra uh, hyper ultras ultra hypers, uh, we don't want to go there. Um, one stopper was the most popular strategy last year. That was adopted by Hamilton. Second place Verstappen as well. Although I think Leclerc made it a two stopper work for third place. In fact, Ferrari double stacked their cars twice last year. Uh, both of them are actually on different strategies. Seb and Charles. Uh, diametrically opposite, though. Leclerc went medium, hard, soft, whereas Vettel went soft, hard, medium. But Leclerc ended up on the podium. Of course, he started higher, too. Um, the soft last year was only really good for about 10 laps here. So last weekend, the last two weekends, that soft has, or well, certainly last weekend, that soft wasn't a bad race tyre. It was almost the equal favourite race tyre with the medium. And it was the hard compound that uh, no one really wanted on. But uh, this weekend, it's going back to being the pariah, the uh, red soft com- uh, compound, unfortunately. You can't see it being... I mean, it, it was last year, and I, I can't see it uh, uh, to being any different this weekend. So that medium will once again be uh, very easily the best race tyre, and, and the hard will probably be the second best race tyre. Um, now, uh, a final race, of obviously, for half the grid uh, as teammates as well. Um, last time in the garage together for Leclerc and Vettel, uh, Ricardo and Ocon, Perez and Stroll, the Haas boys. But of course, yep, the one bromance that tops them all is the Sainz-Norris combination. It's the one I think that I, I was saying this earlier with James. It's, it's sort of set a new path, a new standard for teammates in, in, in the sport, I feel, and how if you get along okay, then it's it's really good to be goofy with each other and have fun with it. Um I always think of the movie Step Brothers, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. for some reason, when I think about those two. Um, it'll be interesting to see as well next year whether Norris and Ricardo, whether that will be just a special... They, they're both jokers and they get on really well. We know that already. But will it be as close and bromancy as uh, the, the signs Norris one? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, two DRS zones at Yas Marina. A good overtaking opportunities. Turn 8 and turn 11. Um, at the end of the respective uh, DRS zone. Sector 3 is a bit too tight to be anything other than a, a chance to try and close up on your rival ahead, get on their gearbox in the hope that you might get them down the main straight. There's no DRS there. 
but um, the middle sector is the, the fastest sector here at Abu Dhabi. It's um, it's on a few of the circuits, actually. This is a, a, a rare one. It's one of the few circuits on the calendar where the final corner is opposite to the first corner. So the final corner at Abu Dhabi is right, and then the first corner is left. Most other um, circuits, you've sort of got the same final corner as you do have uh, first corner. But it also means that the, the you get drivers or, or cars, they get away from the, um, the left-hand side of the circuit, and stay on one side. They have to cross across to the right-hand side, of course, with a left-hander coming up at turn one. And that means that actually that uh, that extra edge that you get for being in the odd grid slot positions is no longer really there because that racing line sort of crosses. It's around about like uh, P10 or 11, somewhere down there. And so actually P2 and 4, you're starting to get a little bit more racing rubber on that side. But uh, there's no massive advantage uh, this time around. Um, as I say, it's quite unique. I think uh, San Marino was a bit like that, but I don't think there's uh, is there one other circuit on the calendar. I can't think off the top of my head. But either way, it's uh, not many others if this is the only one. I, I think that might be the case. Um, so what do we expect from this weekend? Look, you know, it's not going to be spectacular as the last two, particularly last week. You know, the action was, you know, th- there was plenty of it. Um, shorter laps um, and those pit stops, as I was saying, you know, we've got to try and encourage pit stops. It's such a difficult thing for Pirelli to to get right. And I think they do get it right. Sorry, and I'm not saying that they get it wrong. It's a really fine line they've got to tread because you make those tyres too soft, everybody complains. I've got to, you know, I've got to look after them. I've got to manage them and da 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 But of course, if you don't have the pit stops, you don't have that tyre degradation, then you're going to have less pit stops and they're just going to be lay down Mazair races with whoever's on pole position winning the race. We'll have to wait and see whether or not that's going to still be the case when we get to the 2022 regulation rule set, of course. But, you know, Merck are going to be at the front. It's going to be hard to keep them off the top step. Max will be determined to get a good result. He got a good one last uh, last year, and, and, and particularly after last weekend, he'll be pretty frustrated. Didn't even get around lap one of a race that he would have fancied himself at, particularly without Lewis Hamilton there and a, a young guy like George Russell, who did a fantastic job. But he would have thought, I can put some pressure on this kid and um, you know see how he uh, reacts to it. But don't worry, Max, you're going to get lots of opportunities in the future. I'm sure you're going to be um, you know, bashing wheels together with George um, in the next uh, five or ten years at plenty of, plenty of opportunities to do it. But uh, the real excitement's actually going to be behind, isn't it? Racing Point, McLaren, that duel for third. McLaren just 10 points behind. They'll need to get you know, a really good points finish. Hope that Racing Point don't. That's going to be difficult because Racing Point were good here last year and this year's car, the Racing Point, is, is better than theirs, uh, better than what they had last year. Um, and and, and you know, Renault aren't completely out of it. It's a pretty big gap. They're probably going to have to settle for at best fourth, but probably fifth in the end. The gap to third is just a bit too big to broach. Um, and look, last year, Norris and Sainz finished in the points. They were eighth and tenth. Perez got seventh here last year. As I said, he's going to be in a better car this year. So it comes down to a point also. I mean, if it does come down to a point, don't you know? look out. Don't count out the fact that you might find a McLaren or a Racing Point deciding to get a, a fresh set of softs on because they won't want to be, <clears throat> pardon me, they won't want to be using them. And considering it's really only a one-stop race for most, they should have a fresh set of softs somewhere and try to get that fastest lap if they really need it to, to get that extra point for the championship um, a couple of final things real shame about Roman Grosjean he's not going to get back in the car and race I'm really hoping in Mercedes I th- wasn't it brilliant that they said 
yeah, if he can't get into a car and sort of do a lap, we're going to do something, maybe get him into a Merc. That'd be lovely. I'm sure that'd be, you know, it must be hard for him to say, look, do I get into my crappy old, (laughs) I shouldn't say crappy old Haas, my slow old Haas for the last time, or do I get into a Merc? And I hope Haas give him that opportunity in between sessions or somehow they can make it work and say, right, let's do this. Let's get him in the car, get his helmet off, his you know, do a Mark Webber at Webber's last race and, and and get him to do a lap. I think it'd be absolutely brilliant. The guy's been in F1 a long time. He's copped a lot. Um, and I'm talking about the criticism that he's often copped. And I'm one, I'll put my hand up and say that I've given him a a, a, a fair bit of um, um, a critique over the, over the years. I think some of it, a lot of it is, is probably warranted as far as the trouble that he's got himself into. But, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are just racing car drivers. You know, they provide entertainment. They enjoy their their passion. <clears throat> and we're happy and we're lucky that they do. And it's just a shame that he has to finish his career um, with, you know, the way it, it, it ended in, um, in, in Bahrain. So I really hope he gets that opportunity. Of course, it's a farewell to Kevin Magnussen. I, I'd love to see him back in F1. I think he's a great character as well. Sort of Kimmy-like, to be honest. Uh, that very Scandinavian way of not saying much. But um, fighting to the death, you know, because um, we don't know what's going to happen with Kvyat, Albon, uh, Checo Perez. You know, there's more to play out there. Of course, we'll know by the end of the weekend what's going to be happening, uh, probably with the Alexander Albon. But of course, Kvyat um, is pretty much in the same boat. And of course, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Is he going to be racing? That is the big question. We still don't know at this stage. Um he, as far as, from what I understand, and this is, I'm going to quote Jay Saywood, uh, Joe Sayward because he's done all the research on this, so I've got to give the guy his dues. Um, and, and what he's saying is that essentially, if the rules are followed, Hamilton shouldn't be able to compete in Abu Dhabi. But we have heard that Abu Dhabi authorities may give him the green light to, to get around those rules. Is that what he should do? That's the big question. Should Lewis be given special dispensation when other people aren't? And should he accept it if he is given it? Because, well, let's not open that can of worms, huh? Will the government bend the rules? Will Lewis accept the bend if they do? Oh, boy. This season and its controversies, I don't think, are over yet. Anyway, it's uh, the final race of the season. Who thought we would have got here? 17 races. We're about to get that 17th underway. And then, of course, season's end. But thankfully, and you've got to take your hats off to all the people who are involved in F1. Um, firstly, the people who are able to organise and get it put together. And it's not just you know the, the Formula 1 management, but then who they have to work with at all the individual teams to make it work within the teams. And then you look at all the people, all the team personnel who had to go out there, not just the mechanics, and they put in long hours, um, but there's also... You know the catering staff, all those people who work, you know, behind the behind the walls who you don't see, uh, and who've been putting in long hours, and particularly long time away from family, in really trying circumstances where normally, you know, you can sort of take your mind off it a bit because you go to a, a, a faraway country and you get to go to a, a nice restaurant or you go to a beach or you go here and you can wander down the street and and take in a bit of the culture of the 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 country or the city that you're in. Not this year. It's been really tough on them. And, um, you know, we've all got to be very grateful 
for the uh, the sacrifice I think that those people have put in to be able to give us uh, the championship that we've had. And it's been a ripper of a year as far as... I mean, it's had everything, hasn't it? Um, and it's not over yet, as I say. Uh, this weekend, it's the final round. So last week was the Sakir Grand Prix. It uh, was the first ever. Hopefully, it won't be the last time that they ever run around that outer edge circuit. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see it feature again. Yeah, it was a fast lap, 53 seconds for pole, um, race laps under a minute. But it was absolutely an incredible Grand Prix. First ever winner, finally, Checo breaks through for it. He's had lots of podiums. He's the most successful racing point driver who's about to depart the team. Still can't get over that. Um, Hopefully, by uh, the time we get to Australia next year, he'll be sitting possibly in a Red Bull. Uh, We're going to talk more about that uh, with James Underhay. And and got him on the line now, James. um, It really was an absolutely cracking race, wasn't it? It was a belter, John. It was an absolute belter of a race, you know, tinged with disappointment for obvious reasons. Uh, You know, two words really dominating the entire weekend, and that is George Russell. You know, what a a performance given the circumstances. Drafted in at last minute, obviously loads of hype, crazy amount of press around, you know, how he was going to perform. And I, you know, for me, he did an absolutely unreal job. Obviously, I'll go through things in a little bit more detail, but... um, you know, ultimately, George denied not only his first podium, but his first victory in F1, which which is a real shame. And I, I think you know the world could see that in his reaction. Uh, you know, following the race, which was uh, which was yeah, it was a, a brutal way to lose a race win, especially given it being your first. Qualified literally thousands of a second behind uh, Valtteri, an incredible performance. I thought he was actually going to do. It. I thought he was going to stick it on pole for a minute, but um, not to be. And I think at that point, maybe everyone was potentially thinking in their minds, well, you know, Valtteri's just going to have him covered in the race, et cetera, et cetera. But it wasn't to be. George got away fantastically, didn't he? He he managed to beat Valtteri into T1. You know, very, very, very good start, considering he's never launched that car, really, other than probably a couple of times in practice, obviously. And then getting past, excuse me, getting past Valtteri into T1. Valtteri then, you know, in a big moment getting on the power as he came out of turn one big sideways moment which he managed to catch but that really allowed max uh, sergio and charles Leclerc to to pounce on the the uh, the following straight so what it turned out to be was a near four-way drag race effectively down to turn four max uh, uh sergio and charles all on Valtteri's tail charles throws it up the inside locks up and clips sergio perez sending him round now what that meant was obviously Max is kind of minding his own business on the outside of all of this, but in trying to avoid uh, Checo Perez, he takes obviously to the the, uh, the outside. In doing that, he ends up in the gravel, and then well, it was all over for him. He ended up in the barrier. Unfortunately for him, his race was done where he would have thought there was a great opportunity for big points or even potentially to pressure for a win given the circumstances and Lewis not being in the car this weekend. So Leclerc, obviously, having hit Sergio, the result of that was damaged front suspension and a wheel. So he rather awkwardly ended up parked side by side, very neatly, should I say, 
next to Max in the wall. And they both trudged away from what could have been a, a really great race for both of them. You know, never, rarely, rarely say this, but actually felt a bit sorry for Max Verstappen, I have to say. Interestingly, Alex Albon, uh, obviously we've talked long and hard about his struggles and the pressure that he's under at the moment. Coming off of a fairly fortunate podium, let's be honest, at Checo's expense from last weekend's race in Bahrain, uh, at the Bahrain GP prior to this weekend, actually had a pretty good start. Started 12th, uh, managed to kind of find his way onto Lando Norris's tail and get past him in a pretty slick move around the outside of T1 on lap 20. Um, and obviously Checo still at this point absolutely flying through the field. He followed Albon past Lando and subsequently got Albon himself on lap 22. So Checo was making real progress at this point. The race kind of settled into a bit of a pattern, I think, for the the next sort of 20, 25 laps or so. And it was around lap 30, uh, sorry, lap 55, where there was a virtual safety car following Latifi's retirement. Um, personally, I'm not sure uh, it was worthy of a virtual safety car. I'm not sure what you think of that, John, but um, car was in a relatively safe position from what I could see uh, and not a million miles away from being able to be kind of dragged out of the way anyway. So that happened. Um, and obviously that brought a lot of drivers in because immediately they took the opportunity to, to, to get fresh rubber on whilst Perez didn't need to. So Checo Perez already had tyres that were going to get him through this stage of the race. So he then leaps up to fifth, uh, which was quite astonishing. George at this stage is still leading comfortably, incidentally. He's still cruising at the front, controlling the race, the pace, uh, and under no real major pressure. Um, he really had driven absolutely fantastically up until this point. Um, so... I think the only queries he had, there was a couple of questions for the team over the radio about settings um, and, and kind of getting used to that that new wheel that he had to, to sit behind with all the controls on it. But other than that, he was uh, he was in pretty fine form at this point. Um, lap 56, Checo caught Lance Stroll, his teammate, obviously, who just wasn't doing the same or as good a job in the you know, identical machinery. Checo gets past him on lap 56, then nails Ocon on 57, and, um, you know, he ends up in third, just having had such a nightmare start to the uh, to the Grand Prix. Um, <clears throat> now, one of the, the real key moments here, probably the second major moment of the race in terms of Checo's move through the uh, uh, through the pack was Jack Aitken, who incidentally, I think, had a pretty good weekend all round, considering it was his first time in F1, uh, you know, the, the first full weekend, so to speak. Um, had a very similar incident to Alexander Albon in qualifying where he lost control on the exit of the last corner. He ran wide. The car, the car, the, the, the rear stepped out. He caught it, but it kind of catapulted him back the other way. Now, unlike Albon, who ended up deep in the barriers, um, uh, Jack only lost his front wing. But what it meant was that front wing was sitting pretty much on the racing line uh, on the exit of the last corner. So, immediately full uh, full uh, safety car comes out um mercedes obviously looking at that situation took the opportunity to double stack george and Valtteri. um but well what can you say about what happened next it was absolutely hilarious really to to consider such a well drilled drill team um could get themselves into such a state over a couple of pit stops which they've done before as we know uh, but still, it's hard to imagine that happens um, after all the drills that they go through. So effectively, George comes in. The Mercedes team 
uh, accidentally put Valtteri's tyres, at least two, maybe all four, on George's car. Uh, George leaves the pits, and then Valtteri pulls into the box from sitting behind George while he's had his stop. And the front left wheel man notices immediately when he sticks the wheel on that actually he stuck George's tyres on to Valtteri's car. And from this moment on, it was just kind of Benny Hill, really. You've got Toto there kind of loitering on the edge of the box, shouting, waving his arms. It was totally calamitous. Um, and Mercedes obviously realised what they'd done. They stuck Valtteri's old tyres that he'd come in on back onto the car and let him go. And they would later be fined by the FIA €20,000 for the mistake, effectively you know, swapping uh, team gear uh, on different cars. So Valtteri's massively long stop resulted in a loss of three places. Um, George obviously uh, unbelievably had to then pit again on lap 64 to correct the mistake. Um, he leaves the pits fifth at that point and immediately starts to fight back. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, I think at this stage, most people are thinking that's it. Um, however, it wasn't. You know, George has got the bit between his teeth at this point. By lap 70, he has caught and passed Valtteri in a brilliant move. And then just two laps after that, he gets past Stroll and Ocon on lap 73 into second place. So we find ourselves in a situation with 15 laps to go. George is obviously seeing red mist because he feels like he's been turned over by the, the mistakes in the pit stop. He's only three and a half seconds behind Perez at this point, John. Um, and it was looking with 15 laps to go like we were going to have a hell of a fight to the flag between those two drivers. Um, cruelly, the Mercedes team and engineers spot a slow puncture on George's car and he's forced to pit again, which robs uh, not only us of a brilliant end to the race and a potential first victory for George uh, as well. Um, it was just brutal watching it, really, wasn't it? It brought his hopes of a fairy tale, made him win to an end. Ocon came home a brilliant second, by far the best performance of his season and much needed as well for his confidence, I think. Uh, and Stroll um, came home a, a, a fairly uh, unexciting third. You know, he kind of didn't really feature that hugely through the race, just kind of picked places up where he could and, and, and benefited ultimately from the mayhem around him. So, um, yeah, racing point, obviously incredible haul of points for them this weekend a 40 point haul <clears throat> excuse me um puts them in prime position obviously john to uh, to take third in the constructors championship going into the final grand prix uh, next week in abu dhabi yeah it, it's going to be tough for mclaren because it's only 10 points but last year racing point uh, were better than them at the abu dhabi circuit i think it's going to be allowed that in that pink mercedes as it was called uh, as it is called, um, yep. is he's going to be quick there. So they've got a, a big, you know, big uphill battle. The McLaren team, unfortunately, uh, to get that ten points, and and yeah. you know they've got to get more than ten points because you know that uh, you know Racing Point are going to be scoring points this weekend somewhere. Um, yeah, and so it's going to be a tough one. And the thing is, you know, you know McLaren once Austria, the two Austrias, and 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 Hungary. Those races were finished right at the beginning of this season back in July, and they realised that you know they were still very good. They were fourth last year. That Ferrari had dropped back. That third was you know hey we're not too far off this actually you know this is something that's very achievable. Whereas last year they were thinking look if we can hold on to fourth we'd be happy. Um, yeah. It's going to be a bitter pill if they can't get that. I mean fourth I think is still still a good result considering what the racing point is. 
Um, and you know, it's just one of those things. You know, I, you wouldn't say that McLaren's gone backwards. Um, it's just going to be a hard pill for them to swallow. Yeah, and, I think. Yeah, I think. I think that the way the cards have fallen ultimately in the last few races, you know, it's been. It's been a lottery uh, mm. at times, and teams have picked up points quite possibly where they shouldn't have. Um, equally, teams have lost points where they should have been absolutely getting a load of points on the table. So, um, you know, it, it's gone, you know, McLaren's way some races. They've had great results, um, you know, both solid points hauls for, for Lando and Carlos. And, and this weekend, you know, it, it just was racing points time. Yeah, I mean, I, I did this on another show where we were looking at um, the contributions of each driver uh, all the way down to AlphaTauri. And mm. in, in all of the garages, apart from McLaren, you've got one dominant driver. Mercedes, you've got Hamilton, Red Bull, you've got Verstappen. Um, in Racing Point, it's Checo. In Renault, it's it's Ricardo. In Ferrari, actually, it's Leclerc. Um, yep. And then AlphaTauri, it's Pierre Gasly. And, and they were sort of like, you know, any upwards of 65 to 79% were all the percentages of those dominant drivers. Um, and their, their teammates on the other side of the garage weren't contributing anywhere near as much. But in the McLaren garage, pretty much 50-50. Yeah, you know, there's there's only a ten point difference um, now between Sainz and Lando Norris. It's ninety seven points to eighty seven. You know, uh, uh, Ricardo, uh, sorry, Sainz got um, got that fourth position, and that's that's given him the extra points. But they've contributed very well as a team. They've done really well, and you know, both sides of the garage have consistently scored points. It's not like one guy's getting fourth, and then you know, then the other. You know what I mean? It's that yeah. that has worked really well for them. It's a really good drive driver pairing they've got and it's going to be sad for them to see science go for sure yeah but well, he, he he looks like he's really coming into form at the moment i mean you yeah. know i mentioned in the you know the update on the race there he he was flying at the start you well, know he well, looks like he's that, racing now the week before you know he was really good on that red soft compound tire he he got 21 laps out of that on the normal circuit and prior to the race the last weekend, I was saying exactly the same thing. You know, he can manage. He managed his tires. I was keeping an eye on it. He managed those tires much better than what Lando did. Um, at those those soft compound tires, and he did it the weekend before, and he did it last weekend as well. And he is. He's really come on as a, a very very strong driver, and, and he's not going to be taking a number two status to to Charles. I don't think. Um, even though it it may sort of unofficially be but he's going to push Leclerc a lot more I think than what uh, Seb has yeah no I think you're right he's uh, he, he, there's a lot of belief there in Carlos at the moment there's no doubt yeah. about that he, do, he doesn't lack confidence um, you know, there's no way he's going into that car <clears throat> excuse me there's no way he's going into that car with the view that he'll just tow the line, he's going to want to lay a marker down pretty early. Yeah, uh, I, I can I can see there being tears over this uh, at some point in the future, but that's that's obviously to discuss another day. But absolutely showing some mega form at the moment, you know. Yeah, and of course, you know, for McLaren, just to round out McLaren, is that you know that that pairing you know is going to be at least as strong, if not even stronger, because you know Ricardo is Ricardo, and um, the the only thing that may change a little bit is you know, how well the different relationship between Ricardo and Norris. Although Ricardo's a joker as well. We've seen Norris, you know, and him joke around, knock the hat off each other's head while they're in the middle of an interview, all that sort of thing. But, you know, you look back at the, the Carlos uh, Sainz and Lando Norris bromance, and it, it sort of almost changed the way teammates, when, they're, when they are mates and they get along very well, how it's done. You know, it's it's it, they yeah, get it's, along so well. It's like a younger brother and an older brother. And it's it, it, I've never seen anything like it. No, it's um, 
they're clearly good pals, aren't they? And and a lot of that can be done for the cameras. But I genuinely believe these two do get on very, very well. Mm. Um, oh, yes. Oh, I can yeah. tell you they very much do, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there you go. Um, you know, it's... Uh, the, the Ricardo is almost... I think Ricardo is a much bigger joker, clearly, than, than Carlos. I think Carlos has actually probably unwound a little bit. You know, he's relaxed a little bit, maybe, should we say? Yeah. Uh, in his role at McLaren alongside Lando, he's probably quite enjoyed playing that. Uh, that big bro kind of thing, but they're they're clearly very good mates. I think Daniel Ricciardo and Lando that could potentially test the 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 jovial aspect of you know how close, how fun, how much of a laugh can they really have as teammates? Because Ricciardo's on another another level to Carlos in terms of that sort of thing, um, you know, pulling jokes and, and cracking cracking jokes around. So. Whether that actually becomes potentially a bit of a weight mm. uh, around the team next year, I don't know. Whether it's going to need to be policed a little bit more, I'm not sure. But uh, it's definitely worked very, very nicely between Carlos and Lando. And I think the team, uh, as you suggested recently, working as a team, uh, right the way from the drivers through, uh, you know, to, to the, uh, the the guys on the ground and, and doing the hard labour, um, it's definitely helped them forge an incredible unit, hasn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. You know, they... Uh... It's sort of sad to see it um, to see it see it broken up because it's it's been fantastic uh, for that team and just at the right time as well. Um, yeah. The, the other thing you know you were talking about the George Russell and you know it was an incredible effort. He was two hundredths of a second off pole position from from Bottas, which means you know and most of the time this year Bottas has been two and a half to three tenths off Hamilton. You know that means within one race and okay that was a much shorter lap. You know, so let's say let's double two hundredths, let's make it four hundredths of a second. <laughs> you know, yeah. so half a tenth. You know, but that means that Russell was within four tenths, half a second of Lewis at the first attempt in that car, in a, in, and, in a car that he could barely get in as well. That's that, that's it. And 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 look, you know, there's a lot of people uh, have already gone through this on social media as to you know, is it the car? Is it Lewis? And you've you can't underplay how good that car is and. It shows that Russell is obviously a very good driver because he was ultimately very, very competitive. If you know, with with, with Bottas after two days in it, and yeah. yet you know what I mean. It's like, and and, and it gets back to that whole, and, and I probably may end up getting a whole lot of abuse on Twitter, but of you know how much of the of, of the last seven have been the car and how much have been Lewis. Lewis is a great driver. I'm not saying that at, that he's not at all. You know, he is. But that is a brilliant car, and the fact that a young you know, guy, second year of of F one, gets thrown into that car pretty late, doesn't get any testing time apart from what happens on a Friday, gets yeah. in the car and is within you could sort of theoretically say half a second of Lewis, then and nearly wins the race. It's like yeah. that is huge. It just it would have been great to have seen how he handled Verstappen a rampaging Verstappen in that Red Bull if you know Verstappen hadn't uh, hadn't got you know in that tangle with Leclerc and uh, and Checo at the first at that uh, f- uh, turn four because that would have been a real interesting battle. Uh, I think I d- I don't really know where to go with that one. The only reason I say that is because we've seen Max pressure Valtteri. Uh, in races where Lewis has kind of, you know, cruised off into the sunset, haven't we? We've mm. seen Max put put Valtteri under that sort of pressure in, um, you know, where he's kind of, you know, his ability behind the wheel, which is undoubted, has kind of, you know, made up a little bit of that time deficit that they have to the Mercedes. Um, the way, I just can't help but feel that the way that George got away, had he not 
had the bad luck that he did throughout the race. I don't think Verstappen's fight would have been with George. I think Verstappen's fight would again would have been with with Valtteri Bottas. Yeah. Um, I think Bottas would have spent his whole race trying to fend uh, um, uh, fend Max off, and and I think George could have won this race pretty easy, John. Look, I, I could be wrong, and, and I'm sure people will disagree with me, but. It just it just looked so cool, calm and collected from the word go. The way he led the race, the way he maintained the gap. He didn't try and get away and, and, and hammer his tires. He didn't try and uh, you know to, to, to try and stretch that lead. He just controlled it, and I think that's a sign of not only confidence but ability. Um, I don't know. Maybe, hmm. maybe it's just me. I, I really do think that George would have won easily, and, and and actually Max wouldn't have wouldn't have that, that fight wouldn't have happened. Yeah, and the thing is, that at the end of the day, it, it does for me, confirmed two things. One, that George Russell deserves to be in a better car. He's very talented. And, you know, he's definitely in that in that group of, um, you know, Verstappen, Leclerc, uh, Norris. You know, he's very much in that group, um, even though we haven't seen that at the Williams. But it also, to me, confirms that that is a very, very good Mercedes car and it's a very dominant car. And, yeah. you know, we've had, you know, a lot of people have said over... Uh, the last couple of years with Lewis, oh yeah, you know, if you put someone at the back of the grid into that car, how would they go? Would they, how would they go? And it's like, well, actually, we've just sort of done that. Okay, he was a very talented youngster, no doubt, but he's done pretty well to be able to adapt that quickly and to be in Absolutely. that car and to get that, well, nearly get that result. He was on for it, except for, as you say, the the, the issues that occurred and, 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 a, and a safety car. But that's where I look at it and go, yeah, I mean, there's that is a brilliantly dominant car and that has to be remembered and it, a lot of people don't like to hear that but for mine that's you know that's still very much a part of the success very very much a part of the success, uh, uh, John, success of, the, John, the, of mercedes yeah. for the last seven years it is of course it is i mean look, you can't in, in every single season there has been a dominant force whether it be driver or car and and the car plays long and short of it is the car you can't no one's going to win a world title. Lewis Hamilton's not going to... If he swaps seats with George for a weekend, Lewis Hamilton is not going to get into the Williams no. and um, and win or podium. It's not going to happen, okay? That's just the nature of the beast. You know, there are... In football leagues, there are stronger teams than there are others. And if you happen to play for one of the stronger teams, you might be a slightly weaker player, but you know what? There's a good chance overall you're going to do pretty well. It's just the nature of the beast. It's, com- it's the competitive nature of the sport. Unfortunately, Mercedes clearly have a superior car to the entire grid and uh you know these it's just this debate just caught fire didn't it over the weekend (laughs) my my father-in-law my father-in-law text me who doesn't watch formula one really he's not really that interested he's a great sportsman love having sporting conversations with him but norm just he's not (laughs) a massive formula one fan and you know for him to text me about that here's something for your podcast discuss the driver car debate you know it's got it's got to be the and it really got it really got him fired up so you know unfortunately it is one of those situations where lewis has had the benefit of driving in a car that has had a competitive advantage over uh, some of the other teams but it hasn't always been like that and Ferrari had opportunities. If we go back a few years, if we yeah. have, you know, if we're if we're not going to be too short, um, short memory wise on on this sort of stuff, Ferrari had opportunities and should have won at least one championship. Well, they they should have won two thousand and eighteen. You know, that was right. that was the year that you know 
where Vettel really lost it. It started at the German Grand Prix and he put it into the into the barrier yep. in the wet. And that was sort of he then was tangling with Max and he tangled with Lewis in Monza. You know, and that to me that was that was the championship that that was the year that um, you know Ferrari had their biggest opportunity, and that's where they they messed it. But you know, if you look at fourteen and fifteen, you know, again that Mercedes, you know, it was it was always a one-two. How many races did the Mercedes win? Um, you know, and it was always one of those two guys. Um, you know, it was it, you know what I mean? It was it was yeah, yeah. It was just a, you know, uh, sorry, uh, Rosberg or um, or Lewis, and obviously Lewis won more. But then you know. Rosberg got him in 2016 um, and people keep saying okay is Lewis the goat is he the best of all time the greatest of all time sorry so that meant he could have been a boat um, <laughs> but you know what I mean it's like it's subjective because okay let, and this is the other thought I had on let's let's put Lewis into the Williams and 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 you put someone else let's say you put an Alonso or you put a Vettel in a Williams, in a crap car, yeah, who's going to win? You know, who's who's going to be better? And I know this is, you know, we'll never find out. But well, that, the, that to the, me is where you know you, it's good if yeah, you know, okay, you can drive a good car, that's great. And I think that's Lewis, but I think there's other drivers who can drive a a, a bad car better than him. Yeah, and you, I, I think you've uh, alluded to the Alonso factor there a couple of times, haven't you? Doing doing stuff in cars that really shouldn't, shouldn't be done. Be able, yeah, it shouldn't be done. Shouldn't be achievable. Yeah. And, and the, stat, um, the, the stats won't, and, and they will never support that Alonso is the greatest of all time but I'm talking about the greatest driver like someone who's who's, who's a great driver and and can drive any sort of car I I just put, would put Alonso ahead of uh, Lewis but Lewis in the wet was incredible you know yeah, in, in Turkey yeah. it was like phenomenal and yeah, that was center like um, you cannot deny you cannot yeah. deny that race win for me one, one of his greatest arguably one of his greatest yeah um you know someone i read something over the weekend actually that uh or no must have been yesterday now whereby um someone suggested you know can you just imagine for a second having no red bull and no mercedes in the championship this year <laughs> and that just how phenomenal a championship it would have been uh and, and it's true you know if you didn't have those two uh, those two teams in the championship, you would have a ridiculously close drivers' championship, um, and you would have a uh, a ridiculous, a ridiculously con- uh, close constructors' championship as well. Because the other two teams, I mean, well, we got Red Bull, uh, best part of a hundred points ahead of uh, Racing Point in third, mm-hmm. and and then you got Mercedes, who are best point, best part of three hundred or two hundred and fifty, three hundred points ahead of Red Bull. Mm-hmm. So if you take those guys out of the equation. Um, then you've got what I think the general public, the layman of Formula One following, would really, really like to see. You're going to have a potentially different winner every week. You're going to have uh, more exciting races because there's going to be closer battles. Um, but it's you know it's just never likely to happen. Unfortunately, it's just the way well, things well, go well, in well, the sport. Well, not until 2022, and we see what happens with the rule reset, rules reset, and, and you know, yeah. the, the new. Um, um, restrictions on how much money you can spend. Everybody's got their budget caps, you know. So th- hopefully that is going to reset it a bit. And you know, I, I know what you mean. There's always probably going to be, you know, one team that's more dominant than the other. But you know, even if we get back to the situation that we had in, you know, 08, 09, through, you know, okay, maybe not through the Red Bull era of, of ten through to thirteen. But even then, mm. you know, McLaren gave them a good run for their money, and Ferrari was still in a lot of those races. And of course, you know, that's one of the years was where you know Alonso was in the third, if not fourth, best car, and got yeah. within a point of, of Vettel in the championship. So, you know, it, it's possible if we could get back to those sort of 
close style races where it isn't because you know to be honest everybody knows Mercedes is going to win okay there was a good likelihood in the days of Red Bull you know six or seven years ago yeah they probably were but they weren't getting it all their own way and and a lot less their own way because of McLaren than what Mercedes are getting now with Red Bull yeah absolutely um and it's just, it'll be nice to, to get back to that. Anyway, I, I, we could go on all day about that. The other thing you know, I wanted to talk about was obviously Sergio Perez um, and how ridiculous it is that he doesn't have a race seat because he deserves to be in F1. He's proven that. I mean, look, to be honest, you know, last weekend there was a bit of luck involved, but he drove so well from the back of the grid. He put himself in the right place at the right time. I'd say, you know, I think you said it in your <clears> report there, James, that Stroll was probably much more luckier to get that third and didn't seem like it was celebrated as, as such a great result, I suppose, because being overshadowed by his first ever race win, and so it should be too. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, Stroll, I think, lucked into that a, a bit more and, you know, everybody... I think, uh, apart from a few, would agree that you know Perez really, really should be staying at that team. Doesn't mean that Stroll doesn't deserve to be somewhere on the grid, but it wasn't for his driving skill that kept a uh, driving skill that kept him in that seat. No, it's not. Um, I, I think I think it's no longer up for debate, is it? It's not even you. Can, not even the the the, the hard, most hardcore Stroll fan could suggest for one second that Checo should be leaving and Lance should have that seat next year. It doesn't mean to say that, that Stroll's done a terrible job because whilst he's made mistakes and we know his faults, um, he still had a better season than I think most would have expected. Uh, you know, he's picked up points. He had that great you know, poll in, in Turkey as well, which was unexpected. So look, he's not done a terrible job. He's not binning it every week. He is making mistakes and he's getting himself into situations that he probably shouldn't. But that maybe just comes down to experience. The point being here is that Checo is just so many leagues ahead of him. He's mm. so far out. Um, it's it, it can't even be defended, that decision anymore. There's no way it could be defended by anyone. So, But yes, if, he, if, if, if he was going to another team, it would be less of a, you know, a stark contrast. But the fact that he's actually leaving F1 makes it even look even worse than it is. That, that, you know, it makes it look, look even worse, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It looks absolutely terrible because you've got a guy who's been in the sport, you know, contributed a huge amount to a huge amount of teams in terms of keeping some of them going probably at times with his hmm. finances. Um, you know, and he's been around the block. Uh, he's a good guy. He he at least deserved this win. That's the most amazing thing about it, that he's actually got a win. Maybe it's just meant to be and it's kind of divine intervention. Checo gets his win. And, and, it, and you know, it's even been, uh, it's been, he's been quoted this week now as saying, I feel at peace now that I have a win. I mm. feel at peace with the sport and this and the other which suggests potentially that he actually is definitely without a seat next year. Yeah. Um, I think he was spotted chatting to uh, one of the, uh, the Red Bull Hel- Supremes. Helmet, Helmet Marco, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You know, and those convers- I think those conversations probably take place 10 times every race weekend with different drivers and different team managers just saying hi as they walk through the paddock. But it did look particularly, you know, under a little umbrella and this and the other, under the cover of darkness. Um, wh- whether he... There must have been conversations there. Um, and I think we're at a point now with the Albon situation yeah. where um, it wouldn't really be a surprise if Red Bull announced that, that they were going to take Checo. I don't think anyone would turn around and go, oh, my God, I can't believe that. I didn't see that coming. Because given his performances, they would be personally, I think they'd be insane not to at the moment. I really do. Um, yeah. Obviously, I mean, it, it, yeah. You know, sad, sad kind of outcome if that were to be the case for for Albon. But 
that's just the way things go. And we talked about how that actually might harden him up for, for yeah. a future run, you know, in F1. Um, yeah, it doesn't look, mean his days are, are over, does it? But no. As you say, if they think, look, we we just think you need a little bit of a reset because it's, you know, and, and if we could put you into into Alpha Tauri, we would, but we can't put you in there because we need to look at an engine supply in 2022 and yeah. we're not going to drop Gasly again. He's performing really well. You know, you just got to have a year off. Um, and these days, because of, you know, the amount of drivers, good drivers who are having to have years off, you know, Hulkenberg, although it looks like he may never get back into the sport. Um, mm. But, you know, Hulkenberg, you think Magnussen, he could come back if he, okay, he's going to America, but I don't think there's any reason why he couldn't come back. It sort of really would depend on a lot of other things, but you could easily fit him into a car again and, and find him competitive. Um, yeah. And, you know, there, there's those sort of, and Perez, of course. So it doesn't mean that it's the death knell for your career, and particularly for Albon because he's so young. Well, look, you know, I think you're right. That that factor alone has a big part to play. I think it's very much uh, about a reset, as you point, uh, as you point, uh, suggested there. I think a reset would be good for him. I think there's just been too many things that have just gone not the quite the right way for him uh, throughout the course of the season, and all of that pressure, all of those things, it's just a bit too much. Go away, have a little time out, have some fun, regain the you know the the, the feeling of how to smile and actually be relaxed uh, around motorsport as opposed to just constantly feeling under that massive pressure. And we will talk to you again in eighteen months' time or twelve months' time. Um, yeah, so that that's that. I think your point around the the Hulkenberg situation, his brief flirtation you know, with coming back and, 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 and potentially getting a driver. I think that's probably done and dusted now. Yeah. I think we would have seen I think we would have seen something happen sooner rather than later. And again it's a shame because he's a nice guy and he's consistent, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, having had a career in F one, I think you're gonna be looking more to someone like Albon to come back a stronger, better option for the future than sticking one of the older guys in the team just because he might get you some points every now and again. No, absolutely. Um <clears throat> all right, mate. Uh, look, thank you for that. Of course, this weekend is the final race of the season. Um, so I look forward to wrapping that up with you um this time next week and we'll uh, see what happens this weekend in Abu Dhabi. Um, and of course, the final thing this week is a couple of big stories happening. Obviously, we still don't know at this stage anyway whether or not it's going to be Lewis Hamilton back in the car with Mercedes. Um, and, and that's a really interesting thing, as I was saying earlier, about whether or not they give him special dispensation. And should he take it? Should he actually be taking that dispensation? Um, you know, someone who's got um, a lot of money and he's in a very privileged position and he gets given an opportunity to dodge, if you like, the regulations so he can race in a race. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. It'll be interesting to see what his decision is, what the authorities' decision is uh, is as well. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, the other big news, of course, that broke was Nikita Mazepin, stupid boy, you know, um, putting that sort of video up. I mean, you know, I wouldn't do that to my friend. I wouldn't do it to a stranger, um, let alone a friend. But, um, you know, why video it? What do you achieve by videoing it or wanting to do it anyway? How? And then your stupidity in putting it up on social media. It's a, a, it's a medium that needs very little to, to go into meltdown as it is. And you go and put that up on Instagram. I mean, seriously, uh, really just don't 
just don't get that. Anyway, uh, whether or not he's going to be driving for Haas next year, that's not 100%. There's a petition being, um, or that has been going around to say that uh, he shouldn't uh, be driving in F1. Equally, I did see another petition. I think it was a, some sort of petition from Russia. It, it sounded like a Russian name anyway, saying that he should be allowed. We'll sort of see what it all uh, boils down to. Haas are obviously thinking this is not, you know, they've had a, a hell of a, a couple of weeks as it is, and they certainly didn't need this. Um, unfortunately, they need a, a fair wedge of um, the sort of uh, uh, sponsorship that Nikita Mazepin brings. If not, Dad may end up buying the team anyway. If, that's uh, one of the rumours going around at the moment is that Gene Haas may well just decide that um, he's had enough of F1 and, and Mazepin's dad is uh, pretty much loaded, can uh, can buy the team. We'll have to wait and see how that one plays out. Um, and the other one uh, was, uh, John, isn't this great news that uh, Juan Pablo Montoya, fantastic driver, uh, you know, the days of Williams when he was driving for Williams, I absolutely loved. We always knew during qualifying and of course those days there was no three stages of qualifying it was pretty much 45 minutes of nothing and then the last 15 minutes everybody would go out and get um flying laps in and you know whoever dared to to go late as possible to take advantage of the circuit uh, and more often than not that was the ferraris and the williams and the mclarens um and he we knew he was always going to do something special and he did. You just knew it. And he, I, I love him as a driver. I love what happened with him and Schumacher and the, even the press conference afterwards. He's just an out-and-out F1 driver, out-and-out driver, a race car driver, and um, makes no apologies. He'll speak his mind. Um, you know, unfortunately for him, couldn't keep away from the McDonald's. That's the rumour. I don't believe it. Um, and uh, But, you know, great to see that he's um, uh, teaming up again with McLaren. And uh, he's going to be with with Aaron McLaren SP and taking part in Indy 500 next year. So that was the other big bit of news that's broken. And I think that is absolutely fantastic. Can't wait to uh, to see that um, mid next year. Um, of course, uh, all COVID dependent. We'll have to wait and see. So that is it for the Pitbox podcast. Another week done. Um, just one more race to go. And then that is season done. Um, We'll obviously get to wish you a Merry Christmas next week, so I won't do it this week. Of course, Merry Christmas anyway. Um, but uh, if you've got any feedback, let us know. Give us a review. If you'd like to be on the Pitbox podcast, if you've got a strong opinion about something, whether it be uh, Lewis, George, Checo, Nikita Mazepin even, or Juan Pablo Montoya, uh, let us know. Get in touch. Any of the um, Twitter handles or, or, or Instagram handles, uh, at Pitbox Podcast or at Adori Media, and uh, we'd love to... Get in touch and have a chat, maybe. So uh, anyway, we'll look forward to doing it again next week. And uh, we'll review what happens this weekend on the Pitbox Podcast. <laughs>